that's the intro song welcome back <laughs> to cinematographer logically speaking i'm troy there are other people hey yo i'm tanner Yeah. Oh fuck, uh, Brody, Stephen. All right, and this week we watched *The Seventh Continent*, Michael Haneke's debut feature film, which chronicles three years in the life of a middle-class family who have sinister plans, as described by Criterion Channel. Um, well, fantastic. Through quick preliminary thoughts, I'll start. I love this movie. I love it. It's so exciting, um, especially as Hanukkah's debut film. I think it sort of sets out his like visual style that he more or less seems to stick with. Um, one of the most visually um, impressive and also like visually intense, like uh, the the. The image is definitely at the forefront, um, but I really like this movie. Really struck me, very good. So, I also agree that it was extremely beautiful to watch. When I was watching it, I was feeling really stupid, even though I found it viscerally very enjoyable. I thought. Like, I wasn't getting it, and that was making me really sad. Towards the end there, I thought I was picking up on some things that, and I was, like, actually starting to understand, like, maybe what the movie was about. And after I watched the movie, I actually saw an interview with Hanukkah about the movie, and that sort of took a lot of what I thought the movie could have potentially been about away, and maybe we could talk about that later on. Yeah. I liked the film quite a bit. It's very, uh, it, I, I felt it was very rhythmic um, mm. in its structure. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much else to say in a general sense. I did not enjoy the movie much. I'm extremely interested to hear uh, why Troy and anybody else who loved the movie, why they loved it. And to say why I didn't like it, broadly speaking, I would say it's really difficult for me to articulate why I didn't like it. And I think it's often the case that it's harder to say why something was not enjoyable than why it is enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I have an open mind. I'm interested, seriously, in hearing uh, what everybody's, what, what the deal is with this movie. Um, yeah. Um... I liked it quite a lot. Um, it was really great. Very um, unique. Uh, extremely uh, like restricted in form comparatively to uh, Hanukkah's other stuff that I've seen. Um, I don't know. Very anxious viewing experience. Um, I don't know, and I, I I got I got hit pretty hard at the at the end, but yeah, I liked it a lot. All right, um, so I have an idea, just maybe a broad idea to maybe set set a tone. 
Um, I love the opening scene. I love the car wash metaphor or image. And uh, I might I might make a bit of a stretch here, but, but here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we open up, we got a family in the car. I don't know if we see the daughter in the opening sequence. But we sort of do. You see her at the very end. You see her at the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we've got, the window. got a family in a car. We're going through a car wash. Um, we've got the abrasive, you know, washing mechanisms. The people are protected inside, right? Just a general image of like insulation from the outside world. An image of, you know, mechanical operations of a family that is just waiting to get mm-hmm. to the other side, right? There's no conversation. There's no anything. They're, they're very static. Um, and this whole cleaning process, uh, I find is interesting. Um, in a car, right? They're driving to the end and we know when we get to the end, there's an ad for Australia, mm-hmm. right? Which doesn't seem to make a ton of sense, you know, given we know they're not in Australia, right? But, and, and, and we know throughout the film, right? They say they're going to go to Australia. Really? They're going to commit suicide. So, um, if this is some kind of, you know, vision of life for these people of going through start to end insulated from this cleaning process and they get to end and they're dead in a car driving to their death getting ready for it 40 and death drive wait what that's my 40 Freud, freudian oh. death drive oh freudian death drive oh some type of no maybe someone knows more about it than i do but feeling some right some desire to integrate with oblivion uh things like this um but i think in this movie they are sort of more driven to oblivion or driven to this desire by their sort of modern world setting mm-hmm. uh i like this too do not break i don't know i just thought it was fun uh yeah so well, that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking this is a movie about people insulated from reality via their modern setting this mechanical modern up close setting their inner lives are not so rich and uh something about this setting you know various things drive them to desire oblivion and uh self-annihilation and i think the reason the only reason they give is like something about maybe i can pull it up later but like a pleasure in that they can choose to end it or something like this That's all. That's that's it. Um, I can totally get behind the uh, the the drive for oblivion. Um, and we could call it death drive with an asterisk. Yeah. But but I I don't necessarily see the Freudian death drive idea. Um, I think that to like just to quickly summarize or something, and perhaps this is just an interpretation of Freud that I'm reciting. Mm-hmm. But so like the pleasure principle, which is the antithesis of the death drive, um, is the idea of reducing excitation. That is like an infant is excited, a person is excited, and so acquires pleasure to reduce the excitation. Mm -hmm. You have a drive to acquire, like food, for instance, is the obvious case. Mm -hmm. You have hunger. Uh, And the death drive is the interest to maintain excitation and maintain um, like a chaotic status. So... Uh, there is, I think, the death drive in some sense can be a misnomer because it's not quite the same uh-huh. as like desiring 
the peace of oblivion. I see. Um, but but I think that is a common interpretation of it. So it become, and I think that's a reasonable idea uh, in general. And I think it's something which we could talk about as seriously being present in the film and in life, but perhaps divorce it from psychoanalysis itself. I've just been sniffed out as a total sued. <laughs> maybe i'm the suit and no like I said, no i this find is it just like, I, I, haven't, I haven't read any point so busted uh, so i'll i'll pause it I'll, I'll go next in the in the in the suit train here so like my vague interpretation is a build off of our previous conversation so i recall a few things which is when the daughter was pretending to go blind mm. and presumably she read it in the story. And this is a callback to what we were talking about before about how when we read things in stories, that is a, how do you say it? Um, you know what I'm getting at here? Someone help me out. I have no idea what you're talking about. You think she went? So it's like it's like a fantastical. <laughs> it's a fantastical way of looking at something and trying to put forth this idea of how it actually is going to work and what you can actually. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Wait, like, I'm lost. Like, you're saying that the 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 little girl reads the story and then she adopts that as her kind of like fantasy to achieve her desires or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I, I, I think I think that like what we were talking about before with like the piano teacher was more that like her fan. I mean, don't give me. I mean, I'm. I don't know if this is exactly what you're saying, in this comparison. But with the piano teacher, it seems like her her fantasy is like the attainment of her desire or whatever, like to be beaten or whatever, mm -hmm. um, like dominated. And this is more. I mean, she it seemed that like the little girl wanted the, I mean, in the story or whatever, in the newspaper, it said something like girl is blind and like achieves like affection or something from their, her parents right. or something right. like that, which like, I don't know. I mean, what story is yeah, this? But I, I don't know if that, I don't know if that applies directly in this okay. way that you're saying, but Can someone I mean, refresh me as to what story she read. It was, it was in the newspaper. Um, and then you see it on her desk. And uh, also, I don't, like in the Hanukkah, Hanukkah interview, he said that he actually got this story, the idea for this story, in a newspaper. Yeah, like the story and actually, and actually, before they uh, actually go through with the act, um, he says that oh, we need to cancel our newspaper subscription, and presumably this could be read as they just need to cancel all the utilities because they're about to kill themselves. So they don't need the newspaper anymore, but it could also be some sort of indicator of like what these stories are doing to their interpretation of things. And I actually sort of thought like the Australia thing might be involved somehow because it kept calling back to this picture mm -hmm which is a very idyllic picture of Australia. And that's where they claim that they're going. And 
but that's not that's not the actual places they're going obviously uh it's almost, in the same in the same way in the same way that this uh ad for australia isn't the real place and i sort of see like their suicide to be like not working out the way they want it to be go because when the daughter actually dies the mom is like hysterical and crying and it's not this mm, like redemptive or liberating liberating act that they would have liked it would have been yeah i like to point out the the image of australia is not real like it's not possible it's a it's a fake image like you have waves coming in on the left and coastline as well on the left like the it's a doctored image it's it's not reality it cannot be or, real yeah i mean there's something about the image that's um uh i mean it's like it's almost it's like presenting itself as peaceful but there's something like very artificial about it like it's some kind of manufactured peacefulness or something which i mean i, I don't know seems to like reflect their view on what they're trying to attain by killing themselves some kind of uh i mean yeah it's a, it's it's like they've manufactured this idea of like being at peace or something or escaping and um and how peaceful and the the manufactured part is that it's like peaceful or something but there's something like i don't know i found i found the image very off-putting um every time it came up yeah i think it's an off-putting i think there's something strange about it. it it certainly isn't like i don't know yeah there's something strange about the image it's a little off-putting but it also has some kind of sense of serenity and peacefulness but i like that it's connected to the advertisement for australia and and there's just like like the daughter with the going blind thing just like media and advertisement and something like this kind of making its way into their behavior uh like 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 the daughter has engaged in something like really childish like read something and is like acting it out and the adults are engaging in something maybe a little more adult but of the same sense where they have some vision whether it's been marketed to like i don't know there might i'm trying to draw an analogy but like uh this the their vision of suicide has been marketed to them by some source and they pursue it only to find out that it's not what they wanted it to be like brody is saying like um yeah, just to get into that a little more, like, their suicide is certainly not the type of liberation you might expect, right? Like, if 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 you thought that it was going to be a story of, like, you know, rabid consumerism and routine and the drudgeries of modern life, and then they're going to break it down by destroying all their material possessions, you know, and killing themselves, right? Like, the, the, the build-up to the suicide wherein they're destroying all their stuff is just as, right, the visual style remains the same. The pacing is the same the roboticism is the same right when she's like breaking the records and she you know it's a fluid robotic motion you know grab yeah, bend, break grab bend, break grab and break yeah, right that's I, yeah that i, and I he says uh, yeah he says uh, i think we should yeah, start. hanukkah was yeah, saying that a, in the interview I and then quote i hate the hanukkah interview like he says you hate the hanukkah and interview? i don't hate the hanukkah interview but i don't like well obviously we can and will refer to the interview but i feel like anytime I have. N I don't know if I've ever walked away from watching some interview where the director or someone says what the film's about or something like this, where I was satisfied. Like I, I much prefer. Oh, I just, the I just Hanukkah, imagine that they cannot actually say. The Hanukkah mm -hmm. interview ruined the movie for me. Oh, we see. That's yeah. I'm and I, so I walked away from the movie initially thinking to myself, "Wow, 
What a fucking insane movie! What a great movie! Yeah, stick with that. I feel like stick I have, I have feel, I have feeling, I have so much to learn, and so much to gain, and so much to try to understand from this. And I went and I watched the Hanukkah interview, and it was all of that just shattered. Yes. And the reason being, mm, stick with the former. I, I don't. Okay. Stick with the former I, because I, it's clear. I, I, it's clear that the former is the case. Like. The visual style alone and its connections to like this guy Brisson, like Brissonian style and all that. There's, stick with the former. I figure, like, imagine you made some absolute masterpiece and then some like cringe worldly media was like, what's your movie about? You know, like, are you really going to be able to satisfy them? With any, like, like, you're not about to give a dissertation, you know, mm-hmm. this is what I am tempted to think well, because also, there's it, well, it, there's also, no way that it's not i'm not saying this is like the great super masterpiece i mean i think it's super great but um i think the proof is in the pudding here yeah i mean the film is the best like argument for itself you know always like, I mean, any, yeah i mean and there like any any added like talking about it to like frame it correctly or something like that is is uh i mean i don't know like the film if it's like truly a great film like it's going to or truly, or just like a, a good film, at least. Um, I don't so, know. Every, everything to to be talked about about um, about it is going to be in the film itself. So while I would typically agree, and this is definitely the case for something like Lynch interviews, for uh, his movies, which is hyper vague, and leaves a lot to be desired, especially when you don't really understand what the movie's about. However in this interview was different and the reason being is because he made a particular point to say he was trying to leave it ambiguous in order for the viewer to interpret his or her own uh meaning out of the film and I don't really know how you guys feel about this, but something doesn't really feel right to me about having an art piece that is specifically written to be a vehicle for somebody else's interpretation or even worse, like somebody else's projections. Do you know what I mean? Boy, I think that can be fine. I don't think that in itself is bad. I think you, because, so for instance, if you were just making a piece that was total self-expression and in it, you're revealing things which are like negative aspects about yourself, you're being brutally honest about how things are, and then you put it out in the world, and you're not sure if you're even necessarily, like, say there's like various potential antagonists, you know, but you, you know, you leave it to the world to decide like, uh, what sort of like, um, I don't know, like, who is the moral one is the most obvious case, you know, like, is anybody moral in this situation who's made, like, but instead, your job as the artist in this case would be like to report something honestly, like that's all you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're not gonna have like an obvious like uh, meaning or an obvious uh, uh, what's the word? Um, like like it's not going to be like an mm-hmm. allegory, you know? Like it, so, leaving it up to the in- interpretation of the audience is fine, and that's gonna happen in like lots of art. I don't, yeah. Yeah. What's it? So what's it called when didactic? Right, like I think, I agree 100% with what Stephen is saying, and I think to give a good reading or a generous reading to 
Annika's statements. Like, I think it's more speaking to a general sense, like we were talking about with the piano teacher, about like a style, like a, a style and an approach which forces the viewer into a sense of autonomy rather than like walking away having seen like some super didactic film or like being constantly manipulated into like some reassuring perspective on what's happening. Like, and I think uh, Elsmore, who is not here today and who begged me not to strawman him, uh, well, he, you know, I'll say, quote, Elsmore, Elsmore says, quote, you know, this film is evil. But I think this is like somehow a product of it not being clear to Elsmore or to any viewer how the film stands with respect to like its stance on these people. Like it's very much a presentation of events as opposed to like, I don't know. I think the film is relatively neutral. I don't want neutral, but so, um, like it's not exactly like making you hate these people via any stylistic choices. Like whether or not you hate them is a function of like what you think. So while I would agree, rather than moody music, with this, know. while I agree with it, this like in principle, it's hard to articulate like why this one feels different. And part of, I'll, I'll give one attempt at an explanation, it, which is that when he, he said that when he was writing the movie, he kept trying to avoid situations where it felt like he was offering an explanation. Um, I feel like this and, is showing, not telling. Maybe that's what he meant. But when he said that, that's what I interpreted it as he would like any at any moment if we felt like we understood what was happening or we understood whatever it was he was trying to portray, he was trying to purposefully take that away in order for us to leave us with like a vehicle for us to project whatever meaning we want. And I'm not necessarily sure that that's what art's uh, job is because things could be ambiguous in terms of morality and things could have, um, I'm going to go JP mode here, but like could have a limited set of potential interpretations. But if you leave it up to people so wildly and so broadly, I'm not necess- I'm not convinced that that's uh, great utility i i don't i don't think the film is like a blank slate like for i mean i i I didn't it's obviously focused on um i mean a lot of a lot of the the ideas or tools of communication like what what the camera's focused on what you're shown is are things that are like automatic or whatever like all these little uh, gestures and and them like making coffee and shopping and all these things which like lend themselves to some kind of um more broad interpretation or something but i don't but i mean i think there's too many things inside the film like too many events and like uh images that are um I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see. I see. There's a lot of like images, like the fish tank, for example. I think is mm-hmm. hugely. Uh, I, I mean, I think it offers itself towards interpretation in a certain direction without limiting itself. Um, but I don't think it's a blank slate. 
Yeah, I, th I think it's just a total misread. Like, you're talking about the movie as if, like, you know, he wanted to make some Rorschach test. Some just series of abstract <laughs> colors thrown around a wall, you know, like some Pollock. And it's up to the viewer to decide what it means. I mean, I just think, so, I think he's just speaking to style. Instead of, like, explanation not necessarily being some, you know, plot. I mean, it could be plot explanation. But think about, like, I think it's so common in movies and, you know... Pardon my French taste, but American cinema, where <laughs> where you have music that just ex like music just explains how you should feel. Like you see a scene, right? Like imagine uh, John Brothers of the other day, sort of, you know, a movie that opens up with like you know gray palette in an industrial setting, and you're coming in, and you, you know we're 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 zooming in on a warehouse, right? And it's like, you can already imagine the kind of moody undertone music, the kind of something bad's going on. And you know when you get in that warehouse, you're going to see some mobsters or some bad boys, whatever. You know? What? I'm just saying, like, okay. I'm just saying the music music and things and style choices like that often provide <clears throat> explanation for the audience as to how they should feel or what they should I, think I, about I, a situation. And I think he's just saying, anytime, anytime I was writing it such that I was trying to explain to the audience how what they should think about this or how they should feel about this they remove that and so they're just presented with image and story etc i don't think that there there's any readings a good reading i think like the fish tank i think there's a very clear or very good way to look at that given the context of the film i'm saying am i making sense here i think the explanation and things like this i don't think it's meant to be confusing as to what's going on i think it's meant to be up to you yes. to like interpret and like actually make sense of it rather than the film make sense of it for you. It's not just some project um, Okay, two things. One, I I understand the uh, what you're explaining or what you're criticizing about some forms of cinema and how overt they are. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think Hanukkah avoid like eventually like he doesn't ultimately succeed in avoiding this because just making cinematic decisions like do this for instance the bleak situation of the car wash like yeah we're, we're putting like even though there isn't music it's very clearly bleak or even like, another one which is when but, they were but driving home in the rain sure and saw the bodies sure and just the general gray pilot and things like that but regardless of that uh the first point i think that uh if i were to project onto hanukkah's quote a little bit like uh, to if he's trying to write dialogue and he wants to avoid explanations and he wants to leave it up to the viewer, in my mind, he is trying to avoid his own projection of an explanation of why something like so brutal as this would occur, because there is something dishonest about providing a projection as an answer, um, and so leaving it up to the viewer can create like a more honest situation, a more honest look at what happened. And we know that this is inspired by a real event. There's some sort of dedication I think Hanukkah has to like honesty um, or like to brutal, realistic, um, I don't know, uh, rendition of like art or of life, of life in art. Um, and I think that's totally fine. Um, you know, I, I don't I, know. I, I think, I think what okay. I think what best describes what I mean and I think this is the part where, like, we probably disagree the most. So he said that from the story that he bases off of, what the writer initially did was posit a bunch of reasons for why this family killed themselves. 
I don't know if you recall this, you know, mm. you know, the, the writer said like, you know, financial problems or bad marriage or whatever. And Hanukkah was trying to intentionally strip those away as to give no reason as to why the family killed themselves. Well, no, 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 I don't, no. I don't think it's to give no reason. I, it's there's to, clearly well, reason. Yeah, there's no. Well, I'm I'm not necessarily convinced that any reason that you see is anything more than a projection of, or like your own interpretation. Yeah, no. Well, that's how of we... course. Yeah, of course, he's telling a story, and I feel like. It's not like he's trying to make a film that has no manipulation. I mean, again, like last time, like he's literally making a movie. Of course, he's manipulating you. But like, there is a radical difference in the style and the degree to which it's based in quote unquote reality as opposed to some like super, you know, Hollywood type movie or something. I mean, yeah, right? Like the, the, the raining car, like they're driving the car in the rain on the freeway and they see the dead bodies, right? That is shown... Right, yeah, of course it's a sad, it has a sort of, you know, sad, depressing, bleak essence, but that is something you're drawing. It's not like, you know, um, you know like a it's very, it's very flat. Yeah, it's flat. It's just shown as is, and what is, is a sad scene. And also, I don't know, I think, I mean, apart from all these ideas, I think the film harnesses a great anxiety. A great anxiety, a great boredom, a great, um, like, intense inner anxiety that, like, seemingly can't be communicated outward. Um, I don't, I don't think that the film is just, like, because I, I think the line you're talking, no, the, let me know this is what you're talking about, but in an interview, he's like, oh, yeah, the newspaper, you know, or people were talking about money problems, blah, 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 and he just, like, scoffs at it, scoffs at it as if that is why you'd kill yourself. Mm -hmm. right and he's like obviously it's insanely deeper than that like it's not just oh you know i'm having problems you know like you don't kill yourself or you know reasonable person doesn't kill themselves because they're having problems in life you know like i think he was just scoffing at the idea that there are simple explanations and he wanted to try and get at something a little more you know deeper okay i mean if all right. Like, did this not make you I, feel anxious? Did it not make you feel like really no, sad? No, it definitely, it definitely cold. Did. It's so visually cold, so cold, so detached. There's such a distance between all the characters. The characters are so not expressive, yet you continually have the sense that they have this like total red hot turmoil inside, and that's sort of keeping with like this Brisson concept of actors or models that maybe John can say something about because he knows a little more. But, um, yeah, and uh, and just. Throwing it out there, this is the right, his first film and the first of three films that he calls the Glaciation series, where everything is super cold, detached, anxious, modern, etc. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, right? You're you're feeling uh, uh, anxious. Yeah, no, no. You're feeling so, the distance. Yeah, so, you're feeling cold. So, like, I'm, I'm willing to accept that I may have misinterpreted what exactly Hanukkah was trying to say and so and then this reverts me a bit back to how I felt about the movie originally yeah let's go there uh yeah <laughs> and then <laughs> uh 
and then but like part of the problem is is i actually like walked away from this movie with like a disgusting amount of like jp interpretation and that's obviously a product of my overwatching of jp videos oh, it's just based <laughs> and then so when i watched that hanukkah interview to me it just made too much sense that that would be my interpretation of course you know forget the hanukkah interview the movie is everything's everything's in the movie okay 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 I mean, like, um, what if you watch some incredible masterpiece and then, like, some interview pops up with a guy, he's like, oh, I, you know, I just, uh, I don't know, man. I just wanted to make a video with some buddies, you know, and, uh, you know, would you be like, oh, this movie sucks? Obviously not. Standalone, baby. Standalone. Standalone. Do we want to um, talk about, um... I don't I don't know. Like I had some thoughts about like the trajectory of it and sort of how the environment imposes itself on the characters. I don't know if anybody else had thoughts on that kind of stuff. In what uh, way? Like go, the way Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Like it has you know, the film's trajectory has this way of um the first few sections of the film contribute to the end goal or whatever it may be for the characters. And at the beginning, it's like the husband's ongoings at work or and whatnot. But then once the characters sort of decide their fate, or at least when, when, when their intentions become invisible or visible to the viewer, the trajectory of the film, which with the, which with the film began, like becomes inversed. I don't know if that makes sense. So whereas the beginning consists with like mundane tasks that upkeep their lives, the same strictness sort of applies to the tearing down of their house. You're saying it's the same? They do. They approach both the same. Yeah. Yeah. It goes yeah. up. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so can I be an asshat and go back to the interview? Yes. <laughs> no, it better be in response to John because I want to say something about what John said. Well, no, no, I have something to say about what John said, but I mean, it's it's uh, something that that Hanukkah talks about in the interview. But I don't know. I don't. I don't need a quote. Go for it. Directly. Yeah. But but basically, like. Uh, um Hanukkah says something about like their life being made up of all of these gestures of all these like mundane automatic tasks or something and and that um yeah when you get to this like liberating act of them trying to somehow I mean I I saw it as like um them trying to kind of like transcend the the material world or something they're like the objects that like make up their identity in their house um <clears throat> them destroying them it's like the thing that they seem to be that makes their life that we end up focusing on that makes their life like so mundane and automatic and like boredom this this huge sense of boredom that comes from these tasks when they do the liberating act it feels uh exactly the same or not exactly the same but like it, it, they they're still restricted to this kind of mechanical uh um <clears throat> execution of tasks like it's not it's not it's not it doesn't feel like some kind of expression which is what like um i felt they were trying they're trying to uh i don't know they're tr they're trying to have it be some kind of like expression and and it 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 still 
like this mechanical set of tasks that they're carrying out. Yeah, totally. Like John was saying in his prelims, like the rhythm maintains the tempo stays the same throughout the whole film, just this constant rhythm tempo approach. And uh, yeah, the, the destruction does not seem liberating. You know, it, it just seems like another chore, like the brushing of the teeth, like the breakfast, like the whatever. And it's only broken up. It seems to me that the only time the tempo and the rhythm is broken up is when you have these kind of emotional moments that sort of stand out, like the daughter going blind, like, or, you know, quote unquote, going blind, the mother confronting the daughter and slapping her. The fish, the fish tank issue totally breaks apart. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's like 15 mm -hmm. minutes or something of like destruction. And then the fish thing is like huge, just slices through it. Right. And, yeah, and why not? those are like the only long takes as well. Everything else is like pretty much restricted to some, you know, like take, take, take. Yeah, or shot, I want to comment a bit on the fish tank scene because, um, that was my first interpretation as well, because the father says systematically that's the best way yeah. we should be going about this. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the methodical breaking. And but then I think as the scene progresses, what I was interpreting was that it was getting more and more erratic. And they were actually starting to get into the process of like liberating themselves and just breaking things, right? And as the scene continued to get more erratic, then at that point, he starts to go crazy and then he breaks the fish tank. And I thought the breaking of the fish tank was really strange and the reaction to it was really strange considering they were actually about to kill themselves. But the death of the fish like meant so much to the daughter it was, I didn't really know how exactly to interpret that exactly because clearly she had some sort of attachment to the fish. Like there's maybe some aspects about it of what Hanukkah said, which is like they're hurting something else rather than themselves. Um, you can maybe interpret it as like some sort of ego death, maybe of the child, which is kind of Freudian and cringe or uh, Jungian and cringe. But I generally agree except i think the approach to the, i don't i don't see the breakdown of erraticism i think just the continued destruction of everything stylistically everything remains the same and i think the reality of the death of the fish slices through their situation and gets to the daughter whereas like you know had she not been there i think it would have continued as normal but i think she is like come face to face with what is really about to happen you know they're about to die like the fish and it's super not glamorous it's not well I don't know the the, I think it's revealing as to like the true lack of agency of the daughter. Like yeah, she, that like too. like I think it, yeah, so whack that they attribute this kind of agency to her, and then I think uh, it's actually shown you know what's gonna happen is like the, the death of these fish, death of them. Well, imagine some kind of you know. Imagine there is no fish tank breaking scene like imagine they just finish breaking everything the daughter doesn't react to anything and then they just kill themselves you know i mean like i don't know it's a huge like revealing i don't know yeah i mean i i see it as like pretty much the emotional like high point of the film until like the very end 
the the like montage or whatever as like the, the father's dying um but but yeah i mean it's like one of the only i don't know some something about like this this kind of very repet i don't know it gets very like hypnotizing the destruction of everything and it's so long and at a certain point you're just kind of like expecting the next destruction and like just feel like i don't know you just get sucked into the rhythm and then and this final like break and then this uh like the first expression of just like not wanting to continue the process um throughout the whole film you know like i mean there's not there's not any point where there's some kind of it's like one of the only like real serious uh expressions like authentic expressions of emotion i just think there's something to be said that like on their downturn when they're when they're destroying things there's two moments of of emotion that that um that they display like we don't get that in the first two parts when they're just going through these mundane tasks the emotion starts to come on the back end of the film or their downturn i think there's something there but i don't know exactly what but well what do you what do you think about the brother crying at the dinner table the mother slapping the child you think these are different or because i I was seeing them as of the same vein maybe i guess i guess i just thought on the uh, on the downturn they they're conscious of what is about to happen and so their re- their reaction is a little different mm-hmm. um whereas well, the, the the first half is more like uh, i don't want to say it's mundane in their their emotion is mundane like this is what i do when you i don't know i didn't feel as as intimate with the brother crying or or um, well could i say uh I think something that's interesting is every time there is like a an emotional reaction to anything, the first uh, it seems to be that everyone reacts, whether it's the person having the emotion besides the child, um, but everyone else um, is like this kind of need to uh, suppress it or wanting to suppress it. I mean, and then when the child reacts in the fish tank scene, like the mother is trying to get her to like stop, basically, like to suppress it. Um, I mean, like the I don't know when the when this the brother like breaks down. It's so awkward. Like it's so, like, yeah. yeah know, it's, it's a total. It's a total like interruption of the mechanical nature of everything, and and it seems to make everyone very uncomfortable that it's like interrupting this mechanicalness. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole all these things go towards some sense of like emotion is the like. The emotional life is the thing that will actually slice through this like cold, distant, oppressive modern world type thing. Um, yeah, and why their suicide is like so not liberating is because they don't like they take the modern world approach uh, to some sort of thing that like really should be some kind of emotional outcry. Like, it's not satisfying. Like, it's not, like, although, like, goes against some sense, like, oh, the modern world is so stifling and blah, 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 you know, it'll make you want to kill yourself. When really it's these people who, like, have totally neglected, in conjunction with the modern world, like, they've neglected their emotional lives. No, yeah, I mean, it's their embodiment of of the, like, uh, 
yeah it's it's their own their own like embodiment of it yeah it's not it's not like their it's their own self-restriction um which is i don't know it's like it's their own self-restriction that it seems that they're trying to escape as well like if 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 mm-hmm. we were to attribute that to be like part of what they're trying to escape is the the mechanical like modern world or whatever and and, and but yeah i mean since it is them who is it's them who are um like forcing themselves into this mechanical routine um yeah i mean they're trying to escape something that like they're they've created yeah and it's like yeah and then of course this is like an indicator that's inescapable in a sense of course i'm interested because it's all like sort of constructed yeah inescapable but only because like their own I mean, but I, I would still attribute it to them, though. Like, it's not, like, the... Yeah, the internally constructed. Like, like, yeah. yeah. But it's escapable. I mean, they could live different lives. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just they misidentify the source of their trouble. Yeah. It, well, I think... Well, I mean... I think that they're trying to live different... Well, obviously, they're not trying to different, live, live different lives because they're trying to kill themselves. But in that last act is an attempt to rebel against that. And I think what it indicates is that it's so like deeply embedded in them that no matter how hard they try, they, they can't, they can't do it to me. That's what that indicates. And that's actually what drove them to this act of desperation is perhaps they have tried to live different lives or, or maybe the, the problem isn't, identifiable in a way that they could actually change it because it's so embedded in them that is interesting i didn't think about i just assumed their lives in the movie are how everything's gone the last you know however long maybe that's not the correct way to see it but i i think i think that the uh yeah i mean i mean like their their act of like liberation before they kill themselves is to destroy like the the objects or whatever you know when like a real liberation is from from the the mechanical or whatever would be uh i mean like the brother crying or the it'd be like an emotional expression and so it's like i don't know i think it's telling that they that they um yeah that they're destruct like them like what they think they're liberating themselves from or trying to liberate themselves from is like mm-hmm. these these like objects and such yeah like i think brody i'm inescapable but maybe for these people like i i see them as like largely confused and i see their identification of like oh i'm gonna destroy the modern world to get back at it for what it's done to me as like a misidentification but i agree they're probably so confused given their situation that they could not have properly identified the source I, of I their don't troubles. see much resentment in them about the modern world well i mean why would they destroy i mean i i just see them as destroying all the material goods and home as some kind of like you know ritualistic like i mean i see them as trying to liberate themselves and failing because they identify the source of their oppression i see them i see them resenting i see them resenting structure and like the most like and uh like it's just being overly, overly, overly structured yeah, a, in the, in yeah, I guess it's okay, a self-imposed structure though, which it, well to some extent because I, you need to return I'm, the I'm, monkey. This I'm I'm about to sound mega cringe right now. So like, 
society like is obviously a structure so to some degree they are rebelling against society and like that could be indicated with the money and things like that so and it also is self-imposed it, it's like a mixture of both but the idea that is the modern world in particular when i think it's more broadly could be identified as order and order is represented both in themselves and their over domestication and within society itself honestly that's so I, different modern I, world the modern society i think i think i i don't agree with these readings mostly evidenced by the destruction of the sentimental attachment to um for instance of the daughter's drawings uh, mm-hmm. when she's cutting those up i don't see those as a rebellion against any mm-hmm. sort of modern conundrum mm-hmm. um yeah, that's true so i uh, yeah but if the daughter the daughter cuts them up though right no no i think it's the mother no i think it's the father the daughter no, the father cuts up her drawings and then she cuts up her books is that what it is the person who cuts up the drawings the person who cuts up the drawings i don't know if we can find it blue gloves are they wearing blue gloves then i think it's the no i think the 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 father the father is the one wearing gloves oh although however if we back if we pause for a moment pre before she, this is the mother, correct? Yeah, that mother's yes, not wearing gloves. But, 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 father wait, is wait, wearing wait, gloves. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, but the later, um, she is destroying a scrapbook. So this is not the daughter's, but the scrapbook, um, which I believe is also sentimental. Yeah. I don't think that it's yeah, so. That... So I think in in either case, it stands that there's like a destruction of the sentimental. Yeah, the the scrapbook thing pained me so much. Um, that was so. Or the children's drawings, the children's drawings, and the. Yeah, Children Drawings and the Scrapbook was, like, really hard to watch for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe some just, like, total disconnect. I mean, see, I'm, I'm see, just saying I, I, I think there was a way out for them. Like, something along the lines of, like, returning to Monkey or something. Like, <laughs> so, I think the film okay. posits that there is an emotional life possible for them that well, they no, could I, return I, to. I, I think their suicides is a gross... Uh, mishandling of emotion their their goal is to get away from these emotional cut cutting moments yeah so it's so it's not that they they would not want to return to that emotional world it's actually it's not this like gross modern world that's necessarily Mm. pushing them there of course maybe that's a component i think it's certainly this very difficult to deal with emotional life that they're trying to escape from um so while we say that you know you can turn to a more rich emotional life um, as a means of getting out of this suicidal tendency uh, or disposition, I don't think. I I don't think that you know, I, I don't think it's made clear that these people could have done that because that's the very reason they want to commit suicide. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah I, I think that's right. That. Maybe we have yeah because I think that seems totally right. Maybe we've we've misframed this destruction event as like intended to be, like a, like a search for liberation. Really, it's just because it. I think that's totally right. Might have to walk back some ideas. Well, okay. Well, okay. Like the so, rhythm now seems more compatible with their suicide. Like what they want is pure, unadulterated rhythm and peace and like nothing, mm-hmm. like the waves on the Australian mm-hmm. beach or like the tempo of their lives, just like, you know, tempo into infinity. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I so yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, I don't know. It makes yeah, it makes the the way that they uh, destroy everything 
much more um based much more based <laughs> but that I, that doesn't answer their the the rhythm that is at the beginning right though when they're making breakfast are they protesting that action like that is that is rhythm that is consistency I, and they don't you know does that make sense i don't know uh, uh, give okay, Steven, so, I guess what they so like. under huh? So, we well, go on, Joe. I don't, maybe elaborate because I think the rhythm is what they. There's been a huge flip, I think, in the zeitgeist right now, with 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 the rhythm and tempo, etc., being desirable to the characters. Yeah, I just thought I, I I feel like the rhythm pretty much stays the same throughout the whole movie, so I I, I don't see them attacking or. or thinking that rhythm is going to get them to their end goal by attacking the, the first half of the film, because that, that is also rhythmic and making, making breakfast is also rhythmic. And, um, I don't, I didn't see the f first half where they're making breakfast as an attack on that. I see the rhythm, the rhythm I think holds through the entire film, except for the emotional moments. Right, right, right. But maybe uh, I'm confused about what you mean by the making breakfast as an attack on that. I is there any moment do we do we think that they they have this idea that they are going to kill themselves the whole time? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's unclear. It, I, yeah, yeah, it, it is unclear. It, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, yeah, I was just going to say it's unclear. I mean, I think that whether whether we know that they're going to kill themselves or not, whether they know they're going to kill themselves or not, like when the decision is made, either way, there's still this like want to suppress and and uh, not deal with the emotions that cut through the mechanical parts of their life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if that's a response at all to what you're saying. I'm I'm still kind of confused on what you're. Uh... Yeah, and I think that's supported by the blindness scene um because the daughter is clearly lacking some sort of like emotional intimacy from her parents because her parents have just become this sort of monotonous robotic ai uh and the scratching scene my interpretation of it was some sort of like pathology that has arisen from this lifestyle that's sort of coming out uh physically um and th that's also in part what makes the daughter's death so tragic is because she was lacking autonomy in a lot of these things and perhaps she could have actually been saved and the parents projection onto what it is that she would like um is potentially misguided is so bitter. Elsmore just joined. Elsmore. Oh wait, Elsmore is not this is, recording. This is, yeah, this is a oh, rough idea. Yeah. If you right. want to address him, yeah. yeah so for the viewers, for the viewers at home, all over the world, <laughs> Elsmore, someone who feels extremely strongly about this film, has just joined uh, the call, but he's not recording in Audacity, and so uh, he cannot join the podcast. Uh, it's unfortunate, uh, really. Tragic. Um, when the mom slaps the daughter 
so sad for both of them one obviously for the daughter so devastating when so she says, bad so do. so bad <laughs> so i'm not gonna so hurt bad. you i'm not gonna hurt you she says hurts her but i think clearly this is a moment of like uh extreme anguish for the mother as well like this you mm-hmm. know or like it would mm-hmm. be for any reason and i think and i think there is some yeah. repentance on her end to some degree uh when she was tucking her in i mean yeah she tries she tries to like i mean she goes in she sees the the newspaper and then she's like goes over to the daughter and she asks her if she like loves her and uh her and her husband or whatever i mean i don't know she seems but yeah total total like remorse but like without actually addressing the situation like saying like sorry i slapped you or whatever you know i mean i don't know it's some kind of like inability to actually uh deal with the situation and just kind of like hoping that the daughter still loves her or something and then she has no satisfaction in in that no. uh, moment and then it's and then it's a, a return to business as usual because uh, she has her do her prayer which she does you know like, just always does her prayer and as well as uh does not turn off the light or does not keep the light on i mean yeah, she um, never which we hear the daughter request over and over again, but they'll never break up the. Uh, uh, they'll never just do it. They'll never just you know once they won't just do it because they have to maintain the schedule. They have to maintain the. Uh, they're so ingrained in the system. Yeah, I, they're uh, establishment. They're very establishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, to 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 rail ag- against a little bit uh, about the idea that they are actually intending to remain rhythmic and systematic even in their death that this isn't an attack on any in this is not in any attempt to liberate themselves the opening scene comes to my mind when they basically say they basically say they don't really have any problems with their life right now and that everything oh, with the letter you mean yeah with that letter and everything's going perfectly smoothly everything's going great and yeah if and then like and then to me like what this indicates the reason why i still think it's uh an attempt to like liberate themselves is in the like the dostoevsky sense which is that when you're so systematic that you will try to just throw everything away and dismantle it all in the in an act of defiance and some small things i picked up on which is uh i think it was the night before they actually killed themselves uh the daughter was sleeping without her covers on um like she usually would be and she was actually already asleep uh, and so there was some sort of dismantling of the system already in that. And I also still stand by what I said, which is while it may begin rhythmic, I actually think it becomes more erratic as the scene goes on. And I think the absolute destruction and how disgusting that house was at the end was absolutely erratic. And I think it was supposed to be a display or displayment of that. No, but they, one, they, they commit all of their destruction rhythmically two we need to pinpoint what we mean by liberation because clearly a return 
because clearly a t yeah a return to uh this blissful oblivion of of uh of non-emotion clearly this is in some sense a liberation so we can't frame it as liberation versus i don't know return to order because mm -hmm. you're just liberating yourself from something else the point to be made is that they're not liberating themselves from the system so that they can experience more emotion, become true with themselves, discover themselves. No. Instead, they're liberating themselves by rejecting emotion yeah. and turning towards oblivion. It's like some kind That's of like sterilization of like yeah. the, the house yeah. and their lives. Okay. I love when they kill themselves. Like visually, it's so intense when they're drinking, when she's like crushing up the pills. Oh, yeah. In the glass and stuff, and she's having what a hard time. What was that, by the way? What pill? You know, what, what, what are they drug? taking? Advil. She's taking. No, <laughs> yeah. No, she's taking um, like anti-depression medication. If you recall, she goes to the doctor twice. Yeah. I think it's insomnia, isn't it? I thought is it, it was insom insomnia. Is insomnia? Because it's she it's called like doctor. Narcuto. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, like yeah. Nar Narcuto or something, or Narcuto or something. Hmm. Yeah, she goes to the doctor. Remember, the doctor says this is the last time. You're fine. So maybe oh yeah here it is i mean maybe it is just uh um, as, as we watch the scene i do want to say like uh responding to brody's point about what was it it was one of the first points he made it was um uh oh is that things are going fine now is like told early on mm -hmm. um in the letter mm -hmm. but this th you know this is good they want things to be going well they want things to return to normal but clearly, throughout the movie, we witness things happen um, chronologically after the, that they've received that letter, rather composed that letter, whatever it was. Um, and these, they've just been experiencing various like emotionally striking things. For instance, you know, the the father's boss uh, dying and like getting replaced, and by him himself, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, the brother breaking down and crying, and the daughter. All these are like emotionally striking, and so there is some sort of feeling like. Um, you you know it, you might think that this uh this letter is like a desperate plea or even denial at the very beginning, um because there is like this hope that things could just return to normal, um, mm -hmm. but I think we see that there's like they give up on that in some sense as the emotional moments occur. Okay. Uh, could I say something about the the boss that he like replaces? No, you can't say. Anything um, yeah, no, he. I, well, I didn't know if somebody had like a continuing thought, like. Um, but but um, yeah, something that's interesting is that right before the scene where the boss comes in and takes the little picture of the dog off of the cork board, which is so sad. I just want to say it's so mm -hmm. sad, like to suggest that like the thing that he would put as a picture is not a picture of like his wife or something. I don't know. It's like some kind of. I I just inferred that like the dog is the most meaningful thing that he decided to come put a picture on the. I don't know. Something about that's so sad. I have, I have a different interpretation of that. Okay. I, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I imagine there's um, oh, two things. One, I've just now thought this, so who knows. But uh, the the dog is a pet. It is an object that we ascribe a lot of affection to and somehow we feel like extremely attached to in the world in a very special way, in a way that inanimate objects can't be, and in a way that we don't necessarily, a dog, it's more obvious. We love a dog because it's a member of a family, but it is still an animal. It's still just um, something not human, which we will ascribe emotion to. Much like the fish. Both are pets. And there's some sort of feeling that there's this 
there's this like object we can have which also has like extreme sentimental value um but i don't think it's that he didn't put up a picture of his wife by the way i think it's that the father who ends up breaking the fish tank by the way uh he forgets to take all of them down except for the dog because the guy says it looks like you left one uh, so yeah, so okay, there is okay. some sort of just this 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 the father in some sense forgets that there's this attachment to uh like a a sentient object or like a living object yeah. which which people feel an emotional connection to dog and he also, also yeah, yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. so no, no, I, maybe there's something there no I, I like it i like it a lot um <clears throat> so yeah either way the the scene is like incredibly sad i mean it's another like breaking through of the emotion like through the the like mechanical like routine and um it's extremely uncomfortable and right before that is I, I think it's right before that is a uh a letter or some kind of monologue there's some kind of description of the situation he's in and how he's taken his job and how it's all good and it's great and it does not consider at all like the emotional consequences on the guy i mean he's been painted in both letters as being some kind of like mean old whatever that doesn't like him and he's limiting his ability to like pursue whatever like his professional life professional goals and that, oh yeah i mean it's presented as like a victory and he's seen as like just kind of like the obvious antagonist in the situation and then when he comes in it's like regardless if he is like if he hates the husband or whatever and like the job should rightly rightfully be the husband's this like extremely uncomfortable and totally um inconvenient like emotion and humanness to him like comes forth in a way and like really just dis seems to disturb the husband and i just thought that was like a particularly uh prominent and obvious moment of something like that happening and where we actually got to have a little more of like kind of inner insight into what how um how the family or the husband in this case viewed the situation before this uh before this emotion cut through yeah it is uh it is definitely a slicing moment and i think in addition it maybe serves to like undermine the legitimacy of the letter that was just read mm -hmm. um like the father does not exactly come off great in that encounter right he's been kind of mean to this guy uh he's he's kind of mechanical and inhuman forgot the dog picture etc mm -hmm. etc and um whereas the letter sort of described the old man as bad and mean and knows everything you know mm. this i think both upsets maybe that view of himself the father mm -hmm. and also our view of the situation so as to think well maybe you know like we we yeah. generate sympathy for the older man we doubt the validity of the letter in terms of like you know what's really going on in this workplace situation mm -hmm. and the father also doubts like the guy makes him feel bad and he doubts whether or not what he's doing is right and that's something he doesn't like yeah yeah i mean i mean it like it illustrates that like i mean the the letter might be kind of an expression of what the father like wants the situation mm -hmm. to be or what he wants it to to see it as is kind yes. of like this sterile perfect situation where he's just like yeah i was yeah. more competent i was better at the job so i got the job and yeah out goes yeah, this yeah, guy yeah. and there's just yeah and then and then yeah i mean it illustrates kind of like the the his inability or like uh unwillingness to 
actually cope with the world of emotion that exists underneath the situation. Do we think then that the now that the the highway scene where they see the bodies is a moment of envy coming from the parents? Hmm. Like, cause it's three bodies, right? It's is it is it three bodies? There's uh, one of them is a two. child, right? At least one of the bodies it, seems to be a child. It's quite young. It, it might be three, yeah. I uh, it's it looks like two bodies and one looks oh. very small. Compared yeah. To the much larger when I when I first. Uh, watch this scene uh what came to my mind initially was that she was crying over her mother um, she crying which because uh and like that's something that like my mom would do uh after she experienced like a death in the family like whenever she would encounter like some sort of other tragedy would always get her really uh, worked up and i thought it was significant that the mother reached out to the daughter for emotional support. And when the father, the husband... Wait, I think you're mentioning to... up events. Am I? Yeah, you're talking about the car wash, the second car wash scene. Doesn't this happen... No. No one's crying. Nothing really happens at the traffic scene. Like, they just kind of roll by and look at it. No emotion, no anything. But in the car wash... The mother cries and reaches out for the hand and things like that. Okay, so sorry, go on. Yeah. I well, I, okay, I, I do. I I I might I I might still be right, but either way. Well, no, you're not. I I'm think, looking. I'm looking at the scene right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm watching you look at it, but you haven't gone yeah. fast enough. Yeah, I did. My my point is is the um is that. The husband like had like this emotional distance to him in the comfort, while the daughter appeared to be a bit more useful, or at least she would. She re her reaching out to the daughter indicated that she at least felt that she was going to be more useful in comforting her, and. Yeah, I guess I basically that, that's it. Wait, yeah. See, there's the crying. No, it's right this after. Is, yeah, it's after, the, but it's in the car wash. It's not. Oh, okay. I do think that. The, uh, that's the, still temp. That, that's still temporarily important. The, yeah. Oh I yeah, yeah. Say. It's temporarily important, but I'm just saying. And also, the the father does provide comfort to her. No, but I wouldn't consider that very adequate. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's adequate. I agree, but they hold hands. I think. Okay, yeah, wait. Look, can he, I? No, no, they don't hold hands. She touches her face, but she doesn't reach out really at all. Yeah, yeah, she seems to be like trying to avoid his is uh I mean yeah, she's trying to suppress it clearly. And then um I mean yeah, I mean she reaches for the daughter. I mean, I don't know. I read that I read And the daughter like punch like pats her hand as well. Well, yeah, I mean I read I read the reaching for the daughter as both some kind of like I mean I don't know. I saw this moment as some kind of like realization of like what they um might be going to do because i assumed at this point like afterwards once we kind of it became clear that they were going to commit suicide that i mean i considered the idea that they at this point they already were considering it and that i don't know this moment is some kind of like encounter with the real like emotional uh, yeah i mean it's, it's yeah. an emotional spike yeah, on, on reflection that seems to be a more accurate take 
but when I was watching the scene, that was my I was, that was my interpretation, and I didn't know that they were gonna kill themselves yeah. yet. Uh, and also, like if uh, I don't know if the the scene shows this, but I actually because I actually thought that this happened right after they saw the car accident, I thought it was significant, and I think this goes into some of the other interpretations that despite it literally raining outside, they still went to go wash their car like they do all the other times. And that sort of is a testament to its mechanical nature. I don't actually know if that's accurate. Um, I'm not betting on it. I like the idea, but I don't think... Okay, wait. Can I say that the... um, Back to the car crash, when they're driving past the car crash, just to, like, reintroduce the thing that you said earlier, Troy, uh, in your kind of introductory idea about, like, they're inside of this, like, buffer or whatever. I mean, I, I felt Car wash is so good. It's so, it's so, but yeah, I mean, this emotional buffer, or not necessarily emotional buffer, but yeah, this just buffer between them and the car crash is interesting, and they have, like, this music that, like, greatly contrasts um, what's going on right outside the car. I mean, it yeah, seems like, like they're trying to just drive past it, like, as if it's, like, an inconvenience or whatever. I mean... And while no, I don't she think does... so. They seem super interested. The father is like peering over to try and see it. They're like looky loos. Well, yeah, but they're not. I mean, yeah, but they're still like yeah, they're not like they're still like it. a buffer or whatever. And like the cutting outside when you can't hear the music. Uh huh. I don't know. I saw that as significant and quite jarring. Like um, oh, I agree with that. It, yeah, the cut to outside is wild. Well, because and it um I mean yeah I saw that the cutting outside and the cutting back inside to the music or whatever definitely uh um i mean it it makes more prominent the fact that they're like have some kind of sense of like removal or something i mean i don't know they're not viewing it quite as it is or something like that um yes yeah and i think brody's right temporally for the car wash to come right after is relevant and i love the car wash scene it's so Awesome. I love the whole image no. of the car wash. Okay, I got I have to say this. They're wearing the same clothes. Whatever, dude, it's bright outside. Look at it. No, it's not. You could see Presumably the Let's see. Only, Hold you're on. Only let's seeing, you're only looking at the inside. Let's see him roll out. Dude, whatever. The car wash is claustrophobic. She can't escape. Yeah, they're, they're identical buffered. clothes. I I am convinced that this is the same day and that might be i think some symbolic parallel we can't see you don't see it's dark outside you see at the end it's no No, you don't no you don't (laughs) look where's the light bro oh man you see Uh, the accident in the street what are you talking about you just passed it no, no, that's the first car wash. <laughs> no, no, no. Car wash they just the drove past when they leave the like car 30 wash. seconds ago. <laughs> Anywho, I love the car wash. I think you are totally right, Brody, that it mirrors or ought to be connected with the car crash scene. Like maybe this is what it feels like or something like this. I don't know. But I love, I love that this is their vision of going through life. I like thinking about it as like, you know, some image of them going through life, this incredible claustrophobia, yet disconnect from the world outside them. Like they, oh, and all they've got is these two little, you know, these two other people in the car with them. And, 
you know, one one can't exactly provide comfort substantial enough, and the other is just one in which you project comfort onto. Like it's like yeah. not even like it's not even it's just yeah. a child. Yeah, the the child I I did get this feeling that perhaps she was more connected emotionally, uh, which is something that I brought up before. Uh, and I think this scene is also in service of that a little bit. Um, Big time shout out to the black periods of time that separate the scenes. I yeah. love it. It just furthers so, the tempo, furthers the chunking and systematization. But I also just really like the way it feels. To say something positive about the Hanukkah interview is he okay. said something that is obvious in retrospect, but I didn't think of before which is that films have a temporal aspect to it, which makes it uh, a lot like music uh, as compared to just a novel. And I thought that was an interesting way of looking at things. And I think that's really shown in how he decides to pace his movies, because I think the pacing is extremely interesting and, and really telling in a lot of um, a lot of these scenes. I mean, the sculpting in time. Well, yeah, I was gonna say that the what he says in the interview is like very close to a direct quote from Brisson about oh, okay. about and Tarkovsky's about, book is called Sculpting in Time. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's generally like um, I bet you could find in like many places like people talking about film. Compared to to music as opposed to, but yeah, I mean the the focus on rhythm, uh, particularly in this movie, is oh good. Bad. Um, can we talk about Chad Brisson? Brisson, or just the image? I just want to make a shout out to Brisson. The image, I'm pretty sure it's like a shot for shot, where there's like a shot when he after he's just crushed the uh, the fish. And he's standing there, and the shot is like close up on the axe and his feet. Oh yeah, large. Oh, and this one too. All like there are multiple axe shots that are like extremely, like uncannily similar to uh, shots in Largent Brisson's the murder pinnacle. Could you pinnacle could you film. replay a bit of the destruction scene to to see if I could see if maybe there's some sort of. I thought uh I thought all the axe scenes I thought everything involving the axe was an allusion to uh, American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> John, you want to talk about the image? The image. What do you mean? Was well, that what you were saying? What are you gonna say? Can we talk about? I want to talk about. I mean, I don't know. Everything is so close. Everything's so uptight. I feel like it does a great job of like making the like exploring the very small worlds. Like I mean, killing these fish. Like. It, it, it you've got you've got the big world and then you've got the world inside this house and then you've got these micro worlds where in, like these shots like these really com- these highly composed shots of fish flopping around dying in these like really small settings like this shot you know or there's one where it's like this oh i love that one so much you know like first of all i wonder if these fish really died hanukkah has somewhat of a record of seemingly killing animals but <laughs> um yeah, just well throughout the whole film, everything is so close, so uptight. I think something about these small claustrophobic worlds in which lots of detail exists, but it's still so tight, so close, so claustrophobic, like the car, and like um, I don't know, maybe like overwhelming or something. Does anyone? Um. Yeah. I mean, I found the I found the car wash scene to be very claustrophobic. 
I mean, I was actually, I was actually questioning when she first started crying if she was just having some kind of like panic attack, like uh, as caused by being uh, claustrophobic. Because like I was already feeling that seems way. like it. I was already feeling yeah. claustrophobic, and then she started crying, and I don't know. I felt as though it was like um, triggered by that or something. But but I don't know. Then it obviously, I mean, it has more more significance than that. I think. Um, <clears throat> no, what I was going to say, I was, I mean, what I was going to say was a non sequitur. I wasn't going to talk about the cinematography or anything like the, the image or like the choice of what to show, even though we can't talk about that. Um, do you want to continue talking about that? Well, get on with what you're going to say. I don't know. We're running a little short on time and I want to mention one more thing. Maybe I actually want to, I, I want to mention Can one I? more thing. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I want to mention two more things actually. All right. So <laughs> well, could we talk about the very end? um particularly so i didn't know what to make of this but i saw it as extremely significant and um uh i might i might have a uh a uh a comparison to another hanukkah film so the very end when the with the static on the tv as the husband dies and mm-hmm. the static the tv that he's watching as we zoom in like more and more and more after this like montage of kind of everything that we've seen uh mm-hmm. the the tv that he's watching essentially becomes what you're watching like i mean it fills your screen and um for me at least i mean i think there's some kind of like collapsing of the the your viewership into like the the character's reality or something like that which i mean i think um the comparison i was going to draw was uh funny games which I know not everyone's seen, but there, there's at the very end, there's a kind of a total. I mean, yeah, the film, the film, for me at least, when the character in Funny Games at the very end like looks at the camera and it has like a freeze frame. I mean, there's some kind of um, line that it crosses that it didn't before, even though throughout the film there's all this breaking the fourth wall or whatever. And I felt that this did the same thing here. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I agree. Crosses. I agree that like our screen is static. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, no, I agree. I, no, well, I agree. Crosses some kind of. I mean, I agree that there exists some kind of line that's crossed, and um, you know, it's interesting to think about at least. Like, I don't know. What do we? I agree. Something has occurred. I'm not exactly sure its significance. I mean, I love the static as some kind of you know image of oblivion. And maybe what they desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a lot to go with that. But just like the the screen that he's watching, kind of becoming the screen that you're watching, I I see yeah. is significant. But I don't I don't really know what to say. Or I mean, I don't know. It struck me not just as like, oh wow, that was a decision and it's important or something like that. I mean, like I don't know. I was I was hit emotionally, but I don't I don't particularly know why. I mean, I felt like like violated or something. I mean, some kind of like reaching through that uh, doesn't occur throughout the film. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of a fourth wall break, for sure. I felt like I was looking at him. Like, we've been looking at him this whole time, and then we start to assume his perspective. Although, well, we've been following him, right? He's the last person we're watching, and we're getting shown what's going on with him. And then he's dying slash dead, looking at the TV. And I think, like, as we assume his... Like, he's dead here. 
right? Or no, is he alive? Kind of alive. He's like no, yeah. he's yeah, he's alive. He he's dies just during up. the montage, pretty much, or like during the yeah, stag. like the montage is kind of like the last moments of his life. Yeah, like yeah, the flashbacks. Which, yeah, right say... here we assume. Right here we seem to assume his perspective, but I also feel like what we're looking at is him. Like, is he? Like by the end, we're just looking at static. We're looking at what he's become. You know. Yeah. Okay, I don't. I don't really know what exactly to say about that. But can I say with the montage, something about each of these shots? Um, I was t- telling Troy right after I finished the movie this that like the, um, them back to back so quickly like this, I got kind of. I, I realized that I had had kind of this suppression of emotion throughout the film and all of these moments, like these revisiting of the moments, they suddenly felt like super just charged with emotion in a way that I didn't mm-hmm. feel fully until they were shown again. Like in the moments, mm-hmm. like, like, I don't know, something about just how horrific and complex and like sad all of these moments were, like really kind of came to fruition in the montage, I felt like. Yeah, I do think it successfully gives like a a relook at previous imagery. Like yeah, sort of like so, sort of the way a twist is meant to make you like so, think of the film. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's recontextualized into like kind of like the very yeah. final moments of I mean, I don't know, they they seem to be charged with like the emotional energy that they always have been or something like this, but now you're like actually given access to them or something like that. Like the the kind of like the family um in these moments they're like not interacting with the emotional world that is like there or something like that and as a viewer you're not really interacting with it very directly or you, maybe you are but it's like i don't know it's it feels distant it feels i mean it feels mechanical like with the rhythm and such but then at this moment it's like it, it doesn't there's no the rhythm there's no like like it's not a part it's ripped out of the context of this mechanical rhythm and you're just shown the moment itself or something like that. Um, so, like, one of the um, flashback scenes was the grocery store scene. And there was a few scenes, actually, where they had a cashier punching punching in numbers, going real hard. And I don't really know what currency they are spending money in. And I don't shillings. know. Mark, and I, oh, yeah, shillings. <laughs> I, I, I said shillings. Yeah. Okay. But it's Mark. I, I, right? I, but my point is like I don't I don't know if they spent a lot of money. I'm just going to I sort of assume that they are. It looked like a lot. That's it seemed like what the what the point of the scene was or I don't think. I think so. it's just routine. I think that was like it's a just standard a, yeah. amount of money. I mean, if you saw how much groceries that they had when they pulled up to the counter, like. I mean, it, it looked like they bought yeah. like was it was it wine that they bought like they bought one bottle of and they grabbed two more. Yeah, what was I, that? Yeah, I think there's, wine, yeah. there's two. I think there's two major shopping scenes. Um, I don't think there's just one, right? Yeah, there's the shopping for tools of destruction, and then there's grocery shopping. Right. Yeah. And then. Uh, yeah, Wait, that's pretty much and like uh, I I don't really know what to make of those those. Scenes. I mean, I think it's the same thing as the, everything else that's like routine or whatever. I mean, they're moments that are. I mean, back to what I was saying before with like the the emotional moments or whatever things where you could see some more like human depth to what's going on are kind of stripped of that because they're part of this like mechanical process, and that like this montage is like taking all of these emotional moments and like human 
human moments that exist inside of this uh, rhythm and ripping it out of the rhythm and placing it just by itself and like uh, I mean you're able to see it like as as uh, in in the it's kind of like true emotional context or something like that mm-hmm. yeah like re yeah like sort of maybe re-emphasizing the emotion of like what maybe originally felt relatively mundane like think yeah, of the yeah exactly. the cashiers right some focus is placed on them punching the numbers in quickly and uh i don't know maybe on first time around it just feels like part of the routine right i i bring to checkout they scan it they punch in the number whatever whatever uh but i don't know i think the cashier is a great example of like human turned to machine like they're like the embodiment of rhythm and just performing some mechanical function and mm-hmm. uh you know, like their speed is a testament to the fact that they do one thing over and over in rhythm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I will say that looked kind of fun. Yeah. Pretty uh, it made me, made me want a job. It made me wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> if No, but I think that's important. I think like, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I genuinely did think it looked kind of fun. And I think there is like some sort of nation enjoyment in the report the repetition like in a really simple act that you just repeat in being turned into the machine yeah you and, get uh, really good at that and i also yeah and the cashier being really like good at it there was something nice to see well, about could, that could i say i don't want to like with what i was saying about like the scene being like sterile or whatever like stripped from the human emotion like because it's within this rhythm i i, I think that that's like an aspect of it but i I just want to clarify that I don't think that it's like the that there's nothing there's nothing of value or something like that or like the way it's being shot and edited and this rhythm is like completely uh sterile or something like that that there's like nothing to be had in it or something like that um because uh, <clears throat> yeah I mean I, I agree like there still is like um a lot of uh uh enjoyment and uh uh i mean there there's a lot of um kind of expression still going on it's just like framed by the the rhythm shout out to the scene in which we take the perspective of the daughter and it's the only place in the movie where there's music that doesn't literally exists in the world where the boat just passes by oh yeah yeah i like that i mean i think there's actually the music coming from the car is what i assume no no they're not Mm -hmm. testing the stereo no i think the music is not real i I agree i I think that was i that's how i saw it's it's some like mozart or bach or something i got i got super christmas vibes too because it's like cold outside and she's like yeah yeah i would say that's probably the most comfy moment even though it's obviously tainted by yeah you know it is very nice something about just like this little girl wandering you know being with her dad i just imagined going on like a chore with my dad kind of yeah 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 something um there's something significant about the way that the person who's buying the car i think is treating it because like it gets super dirty when they're testing it um i think like you can see the car gets all muddy like after he does a bunch of brake checks and uh you know obviously he's kept the car really clean for a really long time brody the curtains are just blue man 
you know, so a uh, little side point is there because I felt like so stupid, especially for the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. I did feel really desperate in grasping for imagery. Yeah. Um, if that if that wasn't obvious by this conversation. No, I think grasping for imagery is what you should be doing the whole time. I, I don't know, man. I think what happens, this is a total sidebar, but, like, I get frustrated, like, I've shown movies to people or whatever, and, like, maybe they become confused, and they see this as some indication that the film is not for them, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like they think, oh, I'm too stupid for this, or this is over my head, or, like, I don't know what's going on, Rather than, and that's like, my fault. to look deeper. Well, rather than just being okay with it, being like, oh, oh I'm confused, I'm just gonna keep thinking about what i'm looking at you know like um well i don't know no, i mean I, i'm not saying you're saying that but i hope you didn't yeah. feel dumb and that feeling that sense of feeling dumb bothered you like i hope like no, I, it, I it, it really did and it, that's that. what caused me to be so desperate and hmm. um and searching for imagery and through the process of watching the movie i felt this like tingling of a grasp um I think if you were to watch a movie and you didn't feel that sort of tingling of a grasp and it was over your head through and through, then I could sympathize with that feeling um, because it maybe really does feel like there's nothing there. And it's oftentimes can be difficult to sort out art that uh, is straight up just sued and there's nothing in it and you're confused because it is a confusing and bad movie or if you're confused because... um, it requires deeper investigation and uh, yeah. we'll like spiral into a whole other conversation, but I guess I'll leave it there. No, that is a problem. I, I agree. On one hand, I want to say you should just come into every movie feeling like you're an idiot and feeling desperate to try and glean what you can. We also don't want to, you don't want to look at something that actually is just terrible and incomprehensible and feel like, Oh, I just didn't look hard enough. Dude, like you, has that actually happened to you guys? What? Or is this this theoretical? Have you watched a movie which you've decided is bad and has nothing to it, and the whole time you're trying to grasp something from it? Yes. Can no, cite, no, no. Can not... any time that that's happened? I think every Sorry. time a movie has been bad, I've felt like Above I can it. really confidently just say it's not good. Yeah. And, mo- I, and I mean much, that yeah. like an extremity. I don't just mean like, oh, it's not a movie for me. I mean, when, when a movie's not good, like I can confidently yeah. say it's not good. Yeah, I agree. Pretty much all my experiences with bad films have been films in which I feel like I have almost, I mean, I feel like it's dangerous to place yourself above a film in general, but I feel like I have as good, if not a better sense of the film than the film does. And like, I know what it's trying to do and I can see where it's failing or something like this. So for, for film, I think this, this has not happened to me for film, uh, for a few reasons. One, I haven't watched as many movies. Uh, and also because there's this huge barrier of entry the films but where it has happened to me was with with music lower barrier of entry um where i am listening to something and i feel like i don't get it and it's difficult to say if i don't get it because it's bad or if i don't get it because it requires a bit more thinking or something context Mm -hmm. music is medium for people who don't think made by people who don't think <laughs> um take the intuition phil um steven could i ask you uh 
what your like either i mean i don't know how many of them have been subsided or how much your uh view has changed but i don't know i'd like to hear like your thoughts yeah that that's uh, that was gonna be my one more thing uh, your initial um take it uh it's it would be difficult to ultimately it boils down to i was relatively disinterested um and i'm not exactly it may just be that the oh here's one catastrophe that occurred without i did google the title of the film and that alone and i did not click on any links i did not read or, or intend to read synopses or anything at all of course but the very first line on google if you look up this movie yep is that the family is trying to kill themselves. Three members mm-hmm. of a middle class and alienated family prepare to kill themselves. Yeah, that, 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 that absolutely ruined the film. As yeah, far as my interest, I it 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 took away probably like I you know, at least half of my interest in the movie. And that yeah, really hurt it. I so imagine. from then on I'm just watching for um, you know, I'm basically just looking for images and like beautiful shots or something. You know, some and just I've turned into more like this investigative role, like as opposed to like, you know, enjoying the art as it is. And I, I really didn't like that. Um, now, so I won't lay it at, you know, Hanukkah's feet necessarily, but I'll say even after this conversation, I don't, and this could be the desperation coming in. Like, I don't, I don't feel like this was a very complex movie. Um, and so to me, I didn't feel like there was extreme ambiguity. Um, I felt some emotion for the situation and some pity, um, but I didn't. I didn't emerge feeling like struck, as if like a you know like every chord of my body was played you know at once. It wasn't like some major uh, moment, but it, you know. So, but th- but then uh, say for instance, if we look at Le Fee, the first movie we watched, mm-hmm. I didn't know. Um, anything about the movie and I did not know uh, who the son was how things were going to occur you know things like that so at least with Le Fee which was a very particular film you know it's very uh, singular in what it's trying to execute I think or like a very focused examination of something um, I felt like I was able to enjoy it more for the reason that I didn't have this ridiculous spoiler if I had this ridiculous spoiler I think it would have detracted from my enjoyment of the first half of the movie similar to it did for this um mm-hmm. yeah unless someone wants to respond or whatever should we just get to final thoughts because that sounded like a final uh i'm down for final thoughts yeah yeah um yes yeah, dude just quickly i can only imagine how negatively that would impact your experience yeah, I do have. I'm, I'm gonna respond to something small, mm-hmm. which is that, um, like part of, and this is the reason why the Hanukkah interview really ruined it for me is a bit of what Stephen was talking about, which is when I came away from the movie initially, I did have this feeling of that there was a lot that I needed to understand, um, and that there was a lot I wasn't under. There's a lot that. I could potentially understand and get from the movie. And then as time has gone on, and even not just the Hanukkah interview, but even just sleeping on it, I 
am sort of getting this feeling, and even this conversation, I am getting this feeling that like maybe there isn't as much there as I originally thought, and even and then even in me there is a sort of desperate aspect to it. What makes wait, me wait, sad? Wait, 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 wait. What do you? I I think when you say a desperate as aspect, like. Well, I mean something specific on the sense of the reader or the viewer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I mean I'm being desperate. Yeah, that's and, what I mean and, too. No, no, no. Like, and I don't mean that. Like, I'm, like, okay, okay. So you mean you want a more like manifold experience? Right. Okay. All right. Did anybody else read a synopsis before viewing? No, I did not. I did not. Because I did not. So yeah, I'm like try. I can only imagine. Um, well, wait, wait, wait. First off, reading... Okay, I just want to defend myself a little bit. Yeah, it's the first know. thing that pops up when you Google it. it, it no, yes, yeah, I'm not blaming you. Googled it. You Googled it. How good you... Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. No. As long as we're clear on that. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, it is... That is... I mean, that's a crime. It's a crime. <laughs> it really is bad. That is so bad. And that's one difference from... You know, the difference, I think, the departure... So, like, Brody's with the interview thing is a little different. And, you know, it's very clearly different because it's post-movie. Exactly, exactly. But, but like, to to have the experience ruined at the outset, it takes away, like, the yeah. entire joy of cinema and, like, a story, you know? And, like, yeah. the first viewing, so bad. I can't believe they d would do that. I can't believe Google's allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And, I, and just uh, beyond that, like, it makes me really skeptical of how books, it's very in vogue for books, to like uh to have a like very like in-depth synopsis on the back you know yeah 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 and that's so fucking gross i'm yeah, so, so like bad. it's so bad how normalized that is yeah. um the, i you love a, i love a back where all it is is like great words from like various authors that say like yeah. oh, this book is incredible it taught me so much about life <laughs> you know like <laughs> like those those sorts of things are totally fine and would get generate interest the synopsis ruins it but yeah I just want to quickly say uh, that Brody is just really Brody watched it, really liked it, had some sense of <laughs> something special was at work, and then got totally uh, corrupted. Just like took the influence, yeah, corrupted. took the influence pill and believed the first thing he read online, and now uh, Stephen is just further corrupting him I, by, I, by giving no, him okay, by giving look, him the social I, I giving him the social out. I, and I, I may have expressed this to you guys before, like, I have this very strong sense of skepticism when engaging Cynicism. with Cynicism. Which is, I feel like I'm always being tricked into, like, pseudo-deepness in art. And I'm, I'm, like, hypersensitive to that. And I think, like, you are really the opposite in me in that scenario. Well, yeah, quit sense. being a baby. You're just afraid of being a sued. Well, just I, enjoy I, it. I, Love the movie. Give yourself to the film. Have total and complete, utter faith in it. And if it doesn't deliver, it doesn't deliver, and you can recognize that. But I, well, you, know, the, you have to uh, remain. You have to remain open to it being the great thing the, you the hope it is. The skepticism is what allows you to know if you're actually being tricked. Dude, I'm not saying wait, don't be skeptic. Wait. I'm not saying believe everything. Wait, I'm why saying, would it be bad that you're being tricked? If you yeah, enjoy fine, it yeah. and it's beautiful and there was something pertinent to it, I don't know. Oh, I was tricked into trick. thinking it was well, beautiful when it, really it, it was just like some stupid shot of a mountain. 
no, 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 no. no. If, 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 it is, if it is beautiful and is pertinent, and there is that visceral element to it, then that's good. But it's become sued when you are trying so desperately, to use that word again, to get something from a piece of art that isn't actually there. And but it, no, wait, like, wait, yeah. it, like there's this there's an interactive capacity of art, like whatever your experience of the art is, is in some sense connected to the art itself and you, you know, like I think like that's at least how I approach art generally without even having like a very full fledged or sophisticated view of how I approach art. Mm-hmm. But but like it wouldn't matter if it's not in the art, like quote unquote, in the, in like, the what does art. that mean? It's not in the intent. Yeah. It's, it's not in you, the conscious in the intention art. of the of the creator. Because that's okay. It's okay if it's not in the that, conscious intention. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. It, we know, can't, this, we, this is a whole yeah thing. We should have we a whole thing, but but yeah, I I we gotta we gotta wrap this up. Okay. This because I want to say things too. Um, could do a separate. We could do yeah. A tar- I want to you know, do a separate, separate thing. I think we're gonna do. We'll do ratings and then we'll uh, we'll say a little bit about what's coming up. What's coming okay. up for the viewers at. Who are uh, yeah. the viewers at home who are playing this on their big screen via their PS4? <laughs> PS5. All right. Yeah. Brody. I'm going to give it a hot 3.9, just missing the cutoff for a must watch category. Great movie, but I liked Piano Teacher more. <laughs> Look, this was really good, but, but I, I like but something I, else but more. I, but so I, like I can't. Movie, but I like this movie more than Lafise. Listen, I've seen better. Oh, really? Okay. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. Did you rate Lafise lower than this? Correct. Uh, Brody gave Lafise a three point five. Okay. All right, Steven, you're up. I will give this movie a three point three. Okay. Um, I, I think I've, I think I've recently, I think I explained pretty recently. At least broadly, some views on it. So, I yeah, think just today, right? Hmm? Just today, you explained it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just today. Yeah. All right. Tanner? I'm going to give it a 4.4. 4. Uh, I like how it uh, forces a viewer into this relatively objective position while engaged with such an absurd plot. I, I don't know if absurd is the right word, but. Um, and it also comments on the relationship between people and and the art they interpret. Um, I think that's all I have. Yeah, John, um, I'll give it four point three. I like the movie a lot. I um, I don't know. I was pretty like gripped throughout, and very anxious, and I. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm excited about a lot of the ideas of uh, the kind of tools of communication being used and how different they are from a lot of the uh, a lot of other films that I like. All right. I swear, for the second time, I think you're peeking at my scores before you give yours because I also <laughs> have given it a four point three before yeah, I today. Like how you gave in the description of the last episode, you put your score first. In the, Did in I? the description, and so it like looks as though I'm following um, after you, but 
Well, well <laughs> you are. Times, no, it's been the to be to be uh, fair, no, I I gave it I gave this a four point three like a week. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think this is. Listen, I am anxiety core <laughs> death pill. Right. <laughs> and I think this is one of my favorite. This is definitely top anxiety core films. Um, I thought it was super good. I loved. I love a film that makes me feel mentally ill. And this is one of them. I felt like it was super focused on an idea that is surprisingly unclear. Maybe if, if that's a decent way to say it, but I really, really liked it. Walked away feeling wow. And visually one of the most interesting things I've seen in a long time. And maybe I'm just getting pseudo, you know, pseudo manipulated like Brody might think, but I don't even care. I really liked it. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm just getting tricked because the, 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 the image is so at the forefront. Being, but being, I'm being misrepresented. All right, good. And then Elsmore, who's not here, I'm going to get his score and post it in the uh, podcast description, but I think it's safe to say it's a one or lower. But who knows? I mean, he Can you give a score and like a three word? Like three words yeah. from him. We'll or get something. we'll get a quote. We'll get we'll okay. get no, we'll get this a quote. Was evil. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll get a violent word, evil yeah. quote. Yeah, evil. Yeah. He did say I mean he came he after watching it he posted saying this film is evil, the work of Satan, you know, like things like this. So So we'll give him <laughs> okay. you know, yeah, Elsmore gives even it here, man. That's yeah. Um, well yeah, so so yeah, going well he gives it an evil out of five. Uh, <laughs> going going forward, I think we should try and schedule some kind of independent discussion of just uh I don't know, like agree on some topic that's adjacent or, 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 you know, put a name to what we want to talk more about that isn't exactly related yeah. to the film. Some, something that have a little seeps talk into our conversations, that. like, every time, a lot, all time. every time, yeah. Can we define like truth? some sort of, like, broader conversation about, like, art or something? Yeah, so art discussion, and then also, I know for a fact that Elsmore wants to have a separate discussion about evil in film and media. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he was excited to be on this podcast because he wanted to really duke it out with respect to you know i don't think the film is evil he thinks the film is evil so i think we'll definitely have a standalone uh went on that and uh if you guys want to come it'd be great but um and all the viewers and all the listeners yeah, if you want to come along for the ride that'd be great listeners you can call in uh steven's <laughs> phone number is yeah reach um, us out to the hashtag yeah my phone, my phone number is 713-1213-2020. Yeah, contact us somehow. Um, and I, it's not clear what the next week's movie will be, but we'll figure it out and I'll put it in the podcast description. If you want to follow along. <laughs> this is a watch-along show. All right. Is that it? I think that's it. That's it. All right. Thank you. To our sponsors. Thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, thanks, Pellegrino.